Equifax with Adam Curry for September 30th, 2019. This is episode number nine. Hey, Mo. How you doing, Adam? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I am doing well, sir. You know, uh, on the last episode, we learned something really important. Mainly that the elites of the world wanting to kill us, it's not just a white thing. It's a black thing, too. I I was so happy to hear that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> There's equality. Black elites want to kill everybody, too. It's fa- it's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> yes, there's only two parties, uh, the elite and everybody else. So. Yeah, or the globalists and the, I don't know, I don't want to say nationalists per se, but the non-globalists, perhaps. Right, right. Look at it. Yeah. Well, I'm very curious to see what we got going on today. Of course, uh, the way we operate this show is Mo does uh, the preparation, the production, gets all the clips together. I do not listen to the clips. Uh, I can see by some of the titles, though, that this just might be a very fun show. It's a show that I uh, previously promised, and as me being me, I always try to keep uh, good on my promises. So two episodes ago, uh, when we were talking about Mr. Sean King, we had the colorism Ah, uh, yes, the different uh, shades of brown and black that are problematic. Right. So what I wanted to do here is do a deep dive. And what prompted me to do that um, is ABC's new show, Mixed Dish. In the summer of 1985, I was 12 years old and I was living with my family on a commune. We ate together prayed together, and even slept together, I would have told you it was perfect. But the government would have told you we were a radicalized cult in violation of over 47 ATF regulations. (laughs) My peaceful little world had been taken away. When are we going back home? This is our new home. What? Harrison Jackson III was my grandfather. I'm going to make more real-world money to pay for this real-world house that your entire family survivalist defended the park. And that is why I hate guns. My little brother, Johan, looked at everything like one great big magical adventure. My little sister, Santa Monica, complained like a woman with no kids on her third divorce. Which, interestingly enough, she would eventually become. And when we got to school, we got introduced to the real world. Real quick. What are you weirdos mixed with? What's mixed? (laughs) My parents had sent us out into the world with absolutely no warning that being mixed was even a thing. Imagine being the new kid when no one in the world is like you. But you have to understand, today's mixed kids can look up to rappers, ballerinas, athletes, a president, and a princess. The only heroes we had were DeBarge. (laughs) You don't have to worry what those other kids think. They're idiots. And I want to be one of them. I want to be an idiot so bad. All right, this was like an 80s bad acid flashback for me with Tears for Fears (laughs) and DeBarge. Like, oh, who's Johnny? That's all we missed. That would have been fine. Wow. Okay, so some background on the show. This is a spinoff of the popular show on ABC called Blackish. Oh, yes. I I like Blackish. That's a pretty good show. Okay. So this is covering the mom's uh, past, which Uh her name is Rainbow. uh, And and (laughs) she's mixed. Her mother is on the show. Her mother is black and her father is white, which almost mirrors the actual um, actress uh, Tracy Ellis Ross. 
Uh, oh, that's right. Dian- yes. That's right. Diana, Diana Ross's Diana, daughter. Diana Ross's daughter. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we here in this. It was one thing in this um, in this clip, and I, I, I you, you probably didn't catch it, but a, I, I'm I'm gonna bring it up, and then maybe you want to replay it again. Just a, just a tiny bit of it. Okay. They say uh, when they were growing, when she was growing up, mixed kids had nobody to look up to. Right. Now they have a president. Yeah, I did hear that. We can look up to everything, including presidents. I did hear that. Right, yes. president, ballerina, uh-huh. uh, and uh, princess. So we just so it's near the end, right, of that clip. I think. I think it's about maybe three fourths in on the clip. Let me see. Real quick, what are you weirdos mixed with? What's mixed? <laughs> parents had sent us out into the world with absolutely no warning that being mixed was even a thing. Imagine being the new kid when no one in the world is like you. But you have to understand, today's mixed kids can look up to rappers, ballerinas, athletes, a president, and a princess. The only heroes we had were DeBarge. <laughs> no, not again. I can't listen to DeBarge. Can't. Right, right. Please, please don't do it. It's the rhythm of the night. <laughs> okay, so when they... Just so this is an audio show, so we couldn't see who they flashed up there, but they flashed up um, when they said rapper Drake, uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, president. Let me, let, let me. Was President Trump? Did they put up Trump? No, it was Abraham Lincoln. No, no, <laughs> no it was uh, <laughs> President Obama. Oh, the, and, oh okay. Um, <laughs> and then the princess was um, Meghan Markle. Meghan Markle. And well, who, so, was, who was the ballerina? Uh what is her name? Um, Misty. I, you got me. I know, I know, uh, I, I know who it is. I, I don't remember her name, but yes. I don't want to say, yeah. Uh, so. Mixed. Lots struck, of mixed people. Right. So what struck me about this is now we're referring to these people openly as mixed. In, instead of black. Black. Yeah. Gotcha. We didn't do this in 2008. Hey, no one called Obama mixed. Correct. Uh, no one called. Uh, Meghan Markle, the first mixed princess, or no, it was first black princess, right? Mm-hmm. So this is why I was like, okay, this is perfect. It's a nudge, per- perfect jumping off point <laughs> for to to dr- tackle this thing called colorism and the origin of colorism in the black community. It, because- Mo, Mo, can I just say something? I love you, man. Yes. This is so, I love it when you do this. This is great. R- right into the, to what's going on in the world. Perfect. Let's do it. Right. So just some background on the show. Blackish. Uh, I like the show, but to use a uh, woke language, it has some problematic moments Ooh. on the show. Oh yes, it does. Uh, like the so kid, like I- the kid wanting to be a Republican was very problematic. Right, so <laughs> it, the show is used as a tool of propaganda. We have to be honest; it's not just a television show. So much so, they had a the talk episode sponsored by Procter and Gamble. Oh yeah, of course. this, so that, this was the, we talked about that Procter and Gamble yes. promoting the talk. Yes. So that fe- it was a whole episode surrounded uh, um, sponsored by Procter and Gamble and surrounded around the talk. Uh, so, but I have some clips here just to give some background for the people that haven't seen the show of things I heard on the show that I found to be, you know, just kind of cringeworthy. Uh, so let's get into uh, clip number two. This time straight, he's going to have to throw down the big domino on this one. White guilt. 
You know, like I do around here. Look at these guys. Charlie, I've never seen you use white guilt around here. So Popeye's Friday wasn't enough to convince you? Sure, hmm? just suddenly went crazy. <laughs> you ungrateful son of a bitch. And with the <laughs> third... <laughs> That's his buddy at work, right? I love that guy. Yeah, so <laughs> they the have best. the guy at work. Uh, his, so it's two, just some background, more background on the show. Uh, you have Trey, uh, I think it's Dre Johnson or Trey Johnson, one, one of the two. Um, but he's the main character. He's uh, Rainbow, a Bo's husband. And he's uh, very, I'm saying, uh, smart, articulate, but they work for an ad agency, which is funny because it gives you a little inside glimpse into how I I would perceive ad agencies look at black people to say, what do the black community think about this? Or if they have a a product they're trying to sell to black people, you see that often, but the conversation they had between uh, the two black men in the office was uh, he was telling him he had to throw down the, the the big card of uh, white guilt. (laughs) And, and, and for example, for him to saying show that um, he used white guilt to get, Popeye's chicken, which we we had that conversation. <laughs> we sure so did. We sure did. We're co- we're covering a lot of stuff here. So I was like, eh, that made me cringe. But um, so that's one moment. Uh, s- second moment. Uh, clip three. I want a strong black name. Oh boy. Okay, because we've given our kids white names and they've all what? ended up blackish. Great. I just want at least one of my kids to end up being black hey. so I can love it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh. (laughs) your kids are not black enough nice (laughs) so that makes he used the term black ish Mm -hmm. so i'm like what does that mean uh i don't know what black ish well let let me tell you from the white audience oh this means it's black people who are nicely integrated into white society mo yes yeah so it's a racist show, man. Right. Very, very much so. But I'm not going to harp on that too much. But we can see leading up I mean, from history of this show, what we can expect to come from the mixed show is going to be into more propaganda. But I've always understood um, all black people are black. And we never made this designation between mixed and and black. I mean, if you're uh, black, you're black. But before we get to there, because we're, we're, that's where we're headed with this whole show, not only do they push agendas that are race-based, they also push the agendas uh, that are not race-based, one being for the pharmaceutical companies, uh, vaccines. I didn't mean to offend anyone. I am thankful vaccines have eradicated so many deadly childhood diseases. Oh, look, we've got a show for Big Pharma here. Show? In Jersey, we like to vaccinate our kids the natural way by swimming in a polluted lake. (laughs) Do you even know what's in vaccines? Uh, well, (laughs) I am a doctor. All of us are trying to do what's right for our kids, but we can't let emotions make our medical decisions. Frustrated emoji. No, we should let a stay-at-home doctor make our decisions for us. Crying laughing emoji. Really? Vaccines work. They work so well that idiots haven't seen the ravages of polio firsthand, so they start spreading lies. Snorting emoji. Uh, 
Ha ha ha. How much are they paying you to poison our kids, Dr. Death? Needle emoji. Bitch, I will drive to New Jersey to fight you, and your ugly kids can watch. <laughs> Mom. Hi. Nice Twitter dialogue. <laughs> right. Love it. So Very you can nice. see that she's a she that the show is shilling for Big Pharma, uh, coming after the vaxxers. And that's just some background on the show. The show I, let, that, let me ask you a question. So first of all, right. Rainbow, the mom in the in the show, is a doctor. Um, yes. Uh, is there a big? Is there a wariness in the uh, amongst black people about vaccination specifically or Big Pharma in general? There's a wariness about doctors, period, mm-hmm. uh, in the black community. Uh, but it's it's too. It's like either you're on one side or the other strongly. One side doesn't trust doctors. <laughs> yeah. For, for situations like the uh, Tuskegee Institute um, Project. Yeah, there's a couple of uh, uh, historical reasons for that. Yeah. Right. So then you're like, man. Uh, and then it's like a lot of times doctors are on some bull crap. Other half looks as doctors is almost like Jesus's right hand man. Right. Okay. So that, that's kind they, of the same. That's and they live in doctors. I mean, what I'm saying, doctors are highly exalted. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So it's you don't really have a middle. You don't really have a middle on doctors or the medical industry. Interesting. Okay. Uh. So as I said, as I was previously stating, black people have really didn't make the distinction between mixed and black. What we did do was we have a stratosphere of blackness. Uh, you have uh, from high yellow to dark black. Hence the intro song. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> black and yellow, Wiz Khalifa. Right. Yeah. right. So uh, high yellow is like a very light-skinned person. Um, and then you have me saying uh, dark black is uh, very black. But what you had was the thing called the one drop rule. And this is how you see where very light skinned, uh, light skinned people are embraced by black people uh, as us. Now, we might fight within ourselves, but you're one of us. Uh, let's listen to Halle Berry on the one drop rule. Welcome back to News Nation. A new interview with actress Halle Berry is igniting controversy today over how the Oscar winner chooses to identify her own daughter. In the March issue of Ebony Magazine, Berry is speaking out about her biracial daughter, whose father is white. Berry says she'll let her two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Nala, make her own decision about her race when she's older. But Berry says she feels like she's black because she believes in the one-drop theory, the segregation-era theory used to identify a person of mixed ancestry. Earl Ofari Hutchinson is contributor with Agreel.com. He joins me live from uh, Los Angeles. And Earl, you wrote that Halle Berry opened the lid on one of the thorniest issues that still plagues race relations. And you even bring up President Obama in your piece. Tell me a little bit more about your theory here. Well, she actually did. She opened up a can of worms on that. When we talk about uh, race in America, we typically think of black and white. But now, as we well know, there's a new equation, biracial, multiracial, mixed racial, and African-American. So now we've got all of these things in the mix. Now, Halle Berry essentially says actually two things. Number one, I'll let my daughter make her decision. But, and this is what caused the controversy, I am African-American. I'm proud of that. My daughter is seen as that. And essentially, that's the way it's 
going to be. The interesting thing about that, remember during the election and before the election, it came up over and over yeah. again with President Obama. What is it? Yeah, well, how, course, how is Pres- the one Jarop rule defined? Because so many people, I, I actually was surprised, you know, they didn't know really what it is and what it means to black people. Well, once again, learning on a Monday. Never heard of the one drop rule. <laughs> Never heard of this. All right, so the one drop rule, uh, we're going to get some background on it. So basically, if you're any part black, you're black. Okay. I mean, I, to super oversimplify, you know, uh, I have later clips that go into detail what it is, but this is how you saw Rachel Dolezal yes. Yes, and yes, yes. Sean King be embraced by, you know what I'm saying, black, black people. Because it's like, if you have any part black in you, you're you're black. You qualify. Um, yeah, there's no mix. That, I mean, you might say, "Oh, yeah, she's mixed," but you don't refer to that person as mixed. You, you they're black. Mm-hmm. Uh, Halle Berry, for, for for example, we've always looked at her. She's the first black actress to win a, a Oscar in a leading role. Um, president Obama, he's the first black president. Like I said before, uh, Meghan Markle is the first black princess uh in modern times so we never made that distinction uh but let's get into the second clip uh Halle Berry well you know when we look at race I mean we know one thing there's no genealogical or biological basis for race as you know everybody is mixed with somebody else however it becomes a political designation so are you black are you mixed race now politics has come in and how society perceives and labels individuals in this case it happens to be African American I just think Halle Berry is just reflecting the reality the but reality this one is drop rule was the law of the land in the early to mid 20th century which you point out Yes. As a matter of fact, actually, it was encoded in law in Virginia in 1924 and many other states. And essentially, one drop rule says if you have one drop, quote unquote, whatever that is, you're African-American or black. Well, as we well know, know, that was 60, 70, 80 years ago. Much has changed since then. But then again, maybe much hasn't changed because Halle Berry is suggesting many of the old rules still apply. Well, you point out this in your words, this is a sad reminder that race still does matter and matters a lot to many Americans, no matter what they or others call themselves. A very interesting article you've written on the GRIO. We greatly appreciate you joining me. And you can actually read Earl's entire report on this one drop rule debate right now on thegrio.com. Thanks, Earl. All right. I didn't also, I didn't know it was encoded in law either. This is nuts. Yeah. So the reason why that was, so what you had was you see in other countries, you have black uh, community, you have a white community, and then most other countries, like say Brazil, South Africa, um, you have a what they call like a, a mulatto class mm-hmm. or a mulatto uh, group. In America, they wanted a clear distinction between black and white. So it was like, uh, and it was. Really, it was a d- deterrence for people to in- inter- interracially date or mingle uh, because it was like kind of like a punishment. This how this this how it's perceived to say if you have a mixed baby, uh, that baby's going to be black and it's going to suffer under Jim Crow. So it, you know it was really a deterrent, uh, and th- that's how it was set up. 
Uh, so yes, and and that kind of sucks. <laughs> very, very much so. <laughs> what a dumb system. <laughs> okay, now th- this change, though, I guess with the civil rights movement and then uh, or the civil rights act, and well, it, uh, the weird thing is, black people adopted it uh, because we want to be inclusive in our race. We we embrace everybody, so that's why this show mixedish really threw me for a loop because it wasn't embracing; it's uh, separating, separating exact, out. I got gotcha. you. Now, gotcha. now, now we're going to see whether why this change all of a sudden. Uh, why are they trying to divide? Create? Why are they trying to create that mulatto uh, group in America now? That's that's the real question that I'm that I sought out, uh, and I hopefully I'll answer it today uh, with with what I, with, with my findings. But we also have Don Lemon, and he does some background on the one drop rule. In the years following the abolition of slavery, some Americans feared a rise in interracial relationships. So states began passing laws to make sure that any child with a Negro and a white parent could be considered black and denied the rights of white people. In other words, a child with even one drop of Negro blood would be classified as Negro. This became known as the one drop rule, a standard ruled unconstitutional by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1967. This and the hardships of racism also caused African Americans to pass, pretend they were white without ever telling their families, leaving a lot of whites not knowing they had black blood. But some experts on race relations say the legacy of the one-drop rule still exists in today's culture. So he brought up a great point of passing. Have you ever heard this term before? Yes, I've heard it in the, in the realm of transgender people. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you threw it at me. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. It's, or passable, I think, is what is used. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we've seen this correlation between LGBTQIAPK and black people uh, as, as recent as our last show. Yes. So there, there are a lot of um, similarities there. Uh, so just go did one. I'm just perplexed. Uh, when did we work so hard to be have unity and and the weird thing is the reason why I say this is you have to understand blackness uh and I want that's why I want people to understand no matter your shade you're black in the black community uh except Don Lemon who is uh who clearly is a mixed race one dropper I guess somewhere down the line, uh, does right. he consider may, himself it, black? I, I don't know now. I, I'm not sure, and and, and we're going to get to that point. We yeah, once again, I'm ahead of the game. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry about that. He's from the future. That's what it is. Yes. I got, I got, got to get you a helmet. You know. Now, I just want to say, you know, my experience with black people and my experience living with black people was in college. It's totally inclusive. Now, granted, they didn't see me as white. Nah, you grew, you're from Holland. That's different. And I was completely uh, accepted and integrated. Uh, so I, I witnessed nothing but inclusiveness myself. So I, I, I can vouch for that based on my own history. And that's what we do. That's what we do. And like I, like I said before, that's why Rachel Dolezal and Sean King were allowed to be brought in because 
if you say you're black, I guess it's something you really won't lie about if you wasn't. I mean, yeah. By the way, I, you I never claimed I was black. You know that I think it was clear. <laughs> right. I'm just saying, but that'd be like the last thing you would lie about yeah. in a black person's mind. It's yeah. like, why would you want this burden? Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> well, so we're, we're believing of people. I mean, perceived burden. Um, so we're very believing of people. But let's get into the uh, Don Lemon 2 clip. Explain what the one drop rule is. The one drop rule historically, also known as the rule of hypo descent, was really instituted to protect whiteness. Right. It was a way for the white majority to be able to name and incite who was white. So it was one drop, which is one thirty second. One thirty second of Negro or African blood would make that person Negro or African, whatever the classification they used at the time. I hear people say we're in a post-racial society. The reality is, in order to get beyond something, you have to understand it, right? Mm -hmm. And where in your education, where have you been required to learn about race? They don't teach it. No, it is the foundation of this country. We have to talk about race. We have to talk about racial difference. It is just a flat out lie for us to believe that we've moved beyond race. And who who was this? This was this Doctor Yaba, whatever. Yeah, it's Doctor Yaba uh, Blay. Mm -hmm. uh, she's she's she has a, a one drop uh, foundation uh, where she's studying the one drop rule. And if you heard what she said, the one drop rule scientifically was if you're one thirty second black. So let's take Meghan Markle for instance. She's half black. Her child will be one fourth black. Oh, um, wait a minute. Is that only thirty three percent? Is that enough? No, it's, well, twenty-five. Twenty-five percent. I'm sorry, it's not enough. Yes, yes. So, 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 his child could. Okay, her child could. Just to give you an example, her child could marry a white person, have a child. That child will be one eighth black. Mm -hmm. That child could marry a white person. That child will be one sixteenth black, and then that child could marry a white person. Then that child would be one thirty second black, and that would still be considered black. Okay. No matter, and that's the thing. You, you that child would not appear to be black at all. Meghan Markle's child doesn't appear to be black at all. We never really seen the child, have we? I thought it was kind of kind of hidden. Yeah, yeah. They have a picture out, and it was floating on the. <laughs> it was it was memed, and oh. it's like. <laughs> Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't go come across your black uh, timeline because it was like, this is the black prince. The, I, I mean, <laughs> I know what am I thinking? Well, I try to avoid uh, gossip from royalty in general. So that's probably what happened there. But just to give you an example, but. If a person was to say that we would be accepting of them uh, and not to harp on it anymore, but just that's the background of the one drop rule. Uh, let's listen to the la uh, final lemon clip. Let's talk about colorism, because I write about, I have a book and I write about colorism, about the difference between having light skin and dark skin. Light skin was, you were a bit more privileged, mm -hmm. and, and still in society people think that way, but it used to be worse. Right. Let's talk about the privileges of having light skin, even if you are um, a person of color. Whiteness is normative, so what that means is that whiteness has come to define what is human, what is valuable, what is beautiful. <laughs> So when we look at women, the ways in which we determine a woman's beauty is based upon her proximity to the white ideal. Aquiline features, straight hair, perhaps colored eyes, different complexion, and the same holds true for men. So again, I think subconscious or otherwise, historically, what that has, has said or communicated is that if you are of lighter skin, we can assume that you have white in your blood. And to have white in your blood makes you less African, makes you less barbaric, makes you more civilized. Yeah. 
Woo. That's a heavy assumption. Yeah, no kidding. But I did have a uh, a listener contact me, and he's from India. And to keep his name, you're saying anonymous. He said all the things we stated two shows ago about colorism mm-hmm. hold true in India. Oh, and but there it's real classist. I I would presume. Yes, it's re- it's very it's very classist. You know, uh, uh, I think uh, for not for certain, the caste system is 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 somewhat based off of Correct. of color. Yep, yep, yep. So we were going back and forth on Twitter. You're saying in DMs. And I asked him, I said, I've noticed, just just to kind of a little sidebar here, because I, I don't I want to make sure this is not a black only issue. This is a light versus dark issue. And we're gonna get into the uh multiracial, mixed race interracial stuff soon, but we have to understand from my perspective, the background of all this. So I was I asked him, I said, Hey, I noticed none of the guys I work with from uh India wives are darker than them he's oh yeah huh he said that's that's a true observation so it's this weird thing or i don't know if it's conscious or subconscious but um do we do we liken beauty to a fairer skin i don't have an answer for that i can speak personally i am a darker skin and the weird thing was when i was attempting a date especially in high school because you know i met my wife very early but in high school none of the dark skinned girls were interested in me and i i would say (laughs) that from a white person's perspective um tans are always seen as beautiful you know the nice bronze sheen is desirable so i Mm -hmm. i mean yeah there's i think in fashion today there's definitely an admiration of extremely white, uh, but with freckles or red hair, you know, there's mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I think in general, it's still, you know, look at the women putting on makeup. The white women putting on makeup makes them a darker tint. It's just a fact. And it's the complete opposite yes. for black women. We're all moving towards the brown, the mixed dish. Yes. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> We're all going to be one indistinguishable peoples. All right, end the show. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, had, I slept six hours. You know, it's like it's long for me. I'll shut up now. All right, keep going. Bro. No, no, no. <laughs> it's funny, Dick, man. You always pick up where I'm going here. Um, but it, you, it's very true. We're, we're working our way towards the middle. Uh, and we've already heard the term tall, dark, and handsome. That's yes. So colorism colorism in this an aspect of beauty has been around forever is not a factor as for black men as bigger as big a factor for black men as it is for black women okay. i think black women are harder hit by colorism uh but now so we have the color spectrum laid out um but we have to ask how do we get there how do we get uh to mix to light skin to dark skin uh and Bill Duke explains that. Now, now you actually created a, a documentary uh, called Dark Girls and, yes. and Light Girls. Yes. Um, and this actually was based on your own personal experiences, seeing how, how women of different complexions were treated as you were growing up. 
Yes, how I was treated, how I saw women being treated, but more specifically, racism in our own community based upon slavery principles. Um, a lot of the racism in our community is based upon the house Negroes versus the field Negroes. And the house Negroes were the ones who Massa had sex with a slave and she'd have a baby. And because they were mixed, black and white, they have the privilege of working in the house as servants, cooks, maids, etc. But if you were dark, you worked in a field from sunup to sundown. And that was the division. And the field Negroes were not fond of the house Negroes because they had privileges. And the house Negroes were not fond of the field Negroes because they were privileged. Uh, until this day, if you go online under hashtag team lightskin, hashtag team darkskin, you'll see light-skinned black women and dark-skinned black women working over beauty issues. Uh, and each of them has over 300,000 members. Bill Duke, of course, a famous director. Um, yes, actor and director, yes. Uh, and he explains the phenomenon called the field Negro versus the house Negro. This is very interesting. My perception and understanding has always, again, this is just from my perspective, has been the house Negro is kind of like a traitor. You know, the house Negro is just a, someone who was sucking up to the massa. I had no idea of this uh, uh, of this part of this aspect of it. That, it, that is a true um, observation you made because, but you had to look at the psychology behind it, and that's that's why I want, this is why I have these conversations. Mm-hmm. Why is the house Negro looked at? as favorable to massive well now now we know because genetics yeah yeah, (laughs) yes of course now i understand sure this is my child and could you imagine uh the uh shame that a woman had to have if she had a light-skinned child sure you can't hide that i mean you have three dark-skinned children and then this one light-skinned child Everybody knows what this the root of that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is um, there's built in animosity there, uh, but in favor of the house Negro, they will be able to inherit land. A lot of times they were willed their freedom upon uh, Master Dian. Uh, he would set his children free. Mm-hmm. So uh, during slave times, you had this, you had that subculture of mulattoes. But that's why they instilled the one drop rule. Got it. So what it did was force these two groups that had all this animosity back together. Because the house Negro couldn't identify with the field Negro because it's like, man, you you live in the house and you eat massive scraps and, you know, he share his blood. uh, So you're not black enough. Um. But on the other hand, it's like no, you got to drop. Be- you got to drop. You're not really one of us, right? Yep. And but then the one drop roof forces these two things together, and the house Negroes were typically the founding members of what would be considered the boule <laughs> because of that privilege. 
Yowza. Uh, so fast forward, you say uh, post um, uh, reconstruction, uh, you had a lot of mixed race people, black. I mean, I, I, I consider them black. Uh, I, I, I don't make that distinction. But you had a lot of mixed race people that were uh, landowners and uh, occupying political office. And as we spoke on the last show, all of Rockefeller money came in to create these learning institutes. Yeah. And at these learning institutes were a lot, majority fair-skinned black people. Let's, let's just be honest here. Uh, so much so, uh, there was a letter discussing this from Howard University in 1928. Paper bag test. Letter from 1928 addresses black fraternity and sorority colorism at Howard University. Ever and anonymous rumors and reports come out of our college and institutes that color prejudice is in evidence and color discrimination practiced. We are not so surprised when we hear such rumors and reports about institutions of learning owned, controlled, and attended by white people. But it certainly comes as a great shock and causes a feeling of shame when we hear such news about Negro colleges. At first glance, it would seem incredible that Negroes themselves, the victims, victims of ignorant prejudice and discrimination because of color, should follow the lead of the Nordics. And yet a sophomore at Howard University, our proudest institution of learning, makes such a charge against the Negro fraternities and sororities there. Writing in the Hilltop, a campus publication, the student Edward H. Taylor alleges that the Greek letter organizations are behind the movement, which results in splitting up the various classes into groups of different shades, yellow, brown and black. According to this young man, the light skinned students are sought after by the fraternities and sororities, particularly the latter as members and the dark ones pass by the darker brown students then form their own cliques while the blacks are left out in the cold. This is the most disgraceful situation imaginable. Wow. Um, to Howard is uh, Kamala Harris's alma mater, I believe. Yes. Historically black college. And she's a member of uh, one of those fraternities. Of the Boule. Just say it. She's yes, a Boule. Yes. And, uh, and secondarily, I want that guy's voice. <laughs> what a voice. <laughs> what a set of pipes on that guy. Nice. Yeah. He, uh, so that was a reading of that letter from 1928 addressing the colorism at Howard University. Uh, so it's, it was. It, it was it's like in, you're black. It was in the historically black system. Yeah. Yes. You're black. It's like we're black, but it's different variations of black. Like we, 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 when the outside force comes at us, we cling together. But inside, there's a lot of infighting. And I hope people notice this throughout every show I've made. They divide black people on every distinction possible. Yeah, and, and and just as a parallel, this is the same with the LGBTQ community, which mm-hmm. is not a community. I've always said, I don't know, I grew up in Amsterdam around a lot of this. There's no community. You know, you just, it's actually unfairly and I would say insultingly lumping everybody together. 
but the weird thing about colorism just just background is yeah i have two brown skinned children i have two lighter skinned children now, now you mentioned this before how does this happen because okay going back to my my lineage on my dad's side my grandmother is fair skinned my grandfather uh, on my dad's side is dark skinned on my mom's side my grandfather is fair skinned and my grandmother my, my grandmother on my mother's side is dark skinned or, or darker about, brown how about your wife my wife is lighter skinned got it so it's like where did that come from? I mean, so here's the thing. Just because you're light skinned don't mean you're biracial because we, we've had many, many generations of light skinned people that intermarried mm-hmm. that they're considered just as black as I am, but they have fairer skin. And then with genetics, you know, you never know what you're going to get out of the mix. Right. Crapshoot. Uh, sure. Right. So this is the weird, it, it, that's where it differs from other communities because you can't just uh, divide and say, okay, you're over here, you're over here. How would you divide my children? You know, would you say, oh, you, you two are light-skinned, so you go on this side, or you two are brown-skinned, brown, brown skinned, you go on this side. So it just makes for a weird uh, problem. Can I ask you a personal question? Yes, yeah, sure. So, Do your kids have issues amongst themselves? No, because I'm glad you asked that, because it leads us to the next clip. The education has to come from the parents to say there is no difference. When I see a light-skinned person, I don't see them as being any less black. Mm-hmm. I judge a person on their actions and, and where wh- what they hold, uh, what they hold, res- uh, what they hold in their in hearts. Yeah, in import- yeah, importance. Uh, going, I hate to keep going back to these people, but that's why. You can have people like Sean King and Rachel Dolas out to come in because if you judge them on that standard, like, hey, they're members of the NAACP. Uh, they're fighting for what what is perceived to be black rights. You know, not off their skin color, they're black. Uh, but you asked a great question. Uh, <laughs> no, it was not a great question. No, it, it was because Matthew Knowles, who is Beyonce's father, is going to explain that one of your answers to the root of this. Now, in your book, you said that your mother would tell you, don't ever bring no nappy-headed black girl to my house. Yeah, which was wrong. Uh, you know, that was an era in the South that a, uh, a lot of black women uh, felt, women of color felt. Uh, and, and she consistently said that, and it, I internalized that. And, and because I internalized that, and because I was one of the flag, first blacks in junior high, one of the first in high school, University of Tennessee, uh, I dated white girls uh, when I was a kid. Because I internalized my mother saying, don't ever bring no black nappy-haired girl home. Well, I mean, th- that's kind of, kind of interesting, because your mother, is she dark-skinned? Kind of in the middle. Kind of in the middle. Kind of in the middle. So was she saying, don't bring home a girl that looks like her? Or darker than her? Or, or what, what well, exactly? Well, as a kid, I internalized it to be even darker as her. Or her color or darker. So, so what, what was really going through your mind when, when your mother is saying, don't, don't date someone who looks like me? Uh, that, that I internalized that that was ugly, not attractive, not the, the right person uh, type of girl that she wanted me to date. Or have a relationship with. 
That's how I internalized it. Hmm. And of course, he married uh, uh, Tina, Knowles. Tina Knowles, who is light-skinned. Yes. And he's, uh, he's dark-skinned. Well, she's actually biracial. Mm. As he, uh, I mean, like, that's the thing. It's, it's, yeah, she's black, but she's light-skinned. Right. But you have to ask a question. I wanna, it's, uh, this show is going to be heavy on psychology. Did his mother tell him that because he, she didn't want her grandkids to have the perceived burden that she had? Possibly. You know, uh, procreate with a lighter person because my grandchildren will have a better um, opportunity. That sounds like something a grandmother would do. Right. But it would seem as hateful. That's, that's why it's this weird thing. Yeah. It, that's why I say it's a great question because you set it up well. If we were that way, we would be teaching our kids that. But we tell them all shades are black. You know, there is no uh, blacker. You're saying blacker because of your skin color. Mm-hmm. But there is a black. No, don't get it twisted. And we push that heavy in my house. And it's out of a sense of. I like being black. I don't see it as it being a burden as some people see it. You know, I embrace it. Um I think we are some of the most uh, it's just just team me, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it, it, interesting it, it, people. Interesting show fact. I've never seen you. <laughs> no, once, once, honestly once. We were setting up Skype, the webcam went on. Uh oh, Bo, I gotta be honest, it was a dark room. I couldn't see <laughs> I have well, no, I have no uh, well, idea what you look like. I really don't. I don't it was a dark it was a dark room, so <laughs> And it does you know, it doesn't matter. Is it that's what I love about a podcast. You know, who the hell knows? It could be anybody. Right. Um but that I, I don't embrace that self hate. Oh. I, I never I was never allowed to. No, that's my, that's my the parents upbringing. taught sure, me to embrace, you know, uh, our um that, and that's where we, well, Martin, we're headed in this conversation. That's why I take what's happening is such an offense. And it's against Martin Luther King's words. Judge not a man right, on right. the color of his skin, but on the content of his content character. Content of his character, yeah. yes. But in, in, within house, we judge people based solely <laughs> on the, off the color of their skin. And, yeah. And, yeah, and it had they had to jump higher hurdles. Yeah. Um, as you've seen here, I mean... Uh, in the previous clip, the man brought up the brown paper bag test. Yes, and this is this is this is a real thing. I've heard of the I've heard of the brown paper bag test. I've heard of that. In South Africa, they had, I believe, what is called the pencil test. Not only is skin color a big issue in um in black people's um in the black sphere or realm, hair texture, yes, is another thing. So in South Africa, they do what is called the pencil test. If the pencil could be placed into your hair and it falls out, then you pass. Wow. So speaking of the brown paper bag test, Matthew knows Beyonce father speaks on that. Uh, fortunately, we had scrimmaged uh, a little small black school, you know, larger schools, scrimmage, small black schools or play them in an initial year season. And uh, this coach at Fisk University uh whispered in my ear because I, I played very well in the scrimmage that if I ever wanted to go to Fisk University to just call him. And I remembered that. So you transferred to Fisk? Transferred to Fisk. 
But Fisk had the color, the, the brown paper bag test. Brown paper bag test. This is a real thing? Oh, absolutely. It's a I, very known thing in the black community, uh, the brown I remember, paper uh, bag test. I remember Azalea Banks was lightening her skin at one point, mm-hmm. and she was talking about the brown paper bag test and how black guys respect the brown paper yeah, bag. well-known fact. in the, the, I, I had the, never heard of it until she said it. I didn't realize how far back it goes. Yeah. So they pulled out a brown paper bag? No, how it worked. This is, uh, I transferred in 1972. Okay. Uh, and how, and it was the last class uh, that they did the brown paper bag. And they were asked you for a photo you had to submit with your registration. And they would put the photo up against the brown paper bag. Okay. And Fisk was a was a black, primarily a black school? It was all black. All 100% black. black. So you have a 100% black school oh, that would man. not admit dark-skinned people if they were not athletes. That's absolutely right. Or if they were women and they had uh, very prominent families, a very wealthy families that donated a significant amount of money to the school. <laughs> What's wrong with you black people, Mo? <laughs> wow, that's crazy. When you go back to the origin of colorism and the, the difference in the color, you see it goes back to the house Negro mm-hmm. and the field Negro. And this is uh, this was 1972. 1972. Wow. That's why I, that's yes. We went from 1928 to 1972. He said he was the last class. Uh, but did you catch at the end there? Yeah. Oh, if you had some money, then it was a different story. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> yeah, like every university known to man. But no, in the recent in the recent news, yeah, of course, we got the, cele- you buy the celebrities your- who were buying their kids' way in. Of course, you could you could do it with colorism too. Yes. Uh, so crazy. Yeah. So. Out of all the things I listed in the eight previous shows that divide our people, you top this one on top of it on the surface level. I mean, not the no pun intended. Yeah, but you know, on the, and clearly, and, and and it's it it's not only then in 1972. By the way, may I make a suggestion? Yes, that this is a different yet correct example of institutional racism. Yes. <laughs> just want to put it out there. Uh-huh. Just as bad. It's just, you know, look at where it's happening. That's that's phenomenal to learn this. And, and, it's, and like I said, it's psychological. Mm-hmm. Because when you see, uh, you're going to hear how the effects of it, even to this day, like Bill Duke said in the previous clip, he said, you can go on now online and look up Team Light Skin Hashtag Team Light Skin or Team Dark Skin. I, and I, I challenge the people, our listeners, to do that just so you can see aspect. And it, it's very hateful. It's so hateful. Uh, actually, so hateful, so much so, I would like to see them remove this is some kind of hate communication. And I'm not one of the people, you know, uh, for removing communication, but it that's what it is. And you can see it hit the road. I mean, you see the rubber meet the road. And this next clip with uh, the Prince family. Now, background on the Prince family. They are a YouTube couple, and they basically uh, document every moment of their life lives on YouTube. 
Now the 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 uh, I think her name is Bianca uh, Prince. She is very fair skinned, and she is the product of a uh, biracial um, uh, uh, relationship. And the man is dark skinned. But let's listen to her and uh, accusations against her about being a colorist. For sure, for sure, for sure. The Prince family's video about the birth of their daughter was supposed to be a beautiful family moment. But after they posted it to YouTube, some commenters complained about how Mama was talking to her new baby. Because I had blue eyes when I was born. Sorry. That's a tooth with a pretty eye. Like blue eyes. She do have pretty eyes. Baby Nova Grace Prince was born last month. She's the third child of Bianca and Damien Prince. More than 3 million people subscribe to their YouTube channel to experience all of the family's intimate moments. But some people who watched the video took issue with what they called Bianca's complaints about her daughter's eyes, as well as the parents' comments about her skin color. So, Bianca, she's giving birth to the child. I mean, this is uh, operate, not operating room, but delivery room footage. You should have seen the disdain on her face because the baby didn't have blue eyes. She said, I wanted her to have pretty eyes. She doesn't have pretty eyes. <laughs> now imagine being born to a mother like that. <laughs> I'm talking about straight out, straight yeah. out, pushed out. <laughs> And the baby, you yeah. hand the baby to the mother, and she's like, ugh, like, I, I, this is one time I wish this show was video, because it it, it made me mad. Yeah, and, and I don't really get triggered by uh, anything. Well, yeah, pretty, pretty much. But just, you're a child. This is supposed to be the most joyous, you know, because you worry, birth defects, you know, those kind of things. You take that sigh of relief. I went through it four times, and it's like, ugh. Like everything's okay, ten fingers, ten toes. You know, everything's exactly. okay. Exactly, kids, kids breathing. Got a head, got a head. Yeah, we got a head. Yeah, it's good. It's good. To, and of course, you, you always, your child is always the most beautiful thing in the world. I it was supposed to be, all always. <sighs> but her, you should. It was disgusting. The look on her face, and the dad's kind of like, I know he's recording. I think he has that mental, uh, the uh, the aware, mental awareness. Like we're taping here. You know, I mean, do you understand how you? He's like, yeah, the baby has pretty eyes. I mean, even because this, this is basically a reality show on YouTube. Even if it's done in the, I've done reality shows. I had my own reality show. I know how they work. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, people say all kinds of stuff that may not be what they exactly believe. It's just like in real life, people make up crap all the time. Um, regardless, it's still incredibly weird for her to do that. And while the clip was playing, I did indeed look up Team Light Skinned, Team Dark Skinned. It's quite a thing. Yes. It's quite and a it's thing. more leaning towards like, females. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's all I, I see ninety-five <laughs> percent female po although team dark skin seems to be a lot more male uh than female or m- more male than on team light skinned, interestingly. Yes. So I have a second clip of the Prince family. Uh 
if you would like to play that one. Oh, look at them. They look so cute, you guys. Yeah, she's definitely going to be, she's going to get darker. Yeah, you I can, can see like her, her nails. Her yep. Nails. Look at her ear. Yeah. You see it? Oh, her ear is dark. Some commenters say the princes seemed disappointed in their new baby's appearance and even went so far as to accuse them of colorism, which means to discriminate based on the color of skin. A lot of people was judging us off a 30-second clip that was posted on these other platforms. Bianca and Damien posted a response video clarifying their comments. When I said, I wish you had pretty eyes, I didn't literally mean she doesn't have pretty eyes. You know what I'm saying? I didn't mean, oh my gosh, my daughter has ugly eyes. When I say pretty eyes, I meant the term of green eyes. Because, Danny, have you ever got a compliment about your eyes? No. If I was a colorist, I wouldn't even like black people at all. You have a choice, right? I have a choice. Did I yeah. force you to get with me? No. Did I kiss with me? No. Okay. So it's like, I, I not once said my daughter was ugly. They went on to insist they are loving parents to all of their children. Despite the controversy, the princes say they're not taking the video down, which for them will always be about one of the best days of their lives. <laughs> okay. So, as I said before, the husband in this situation or the father in this situation is dark brown skin. And she made the the point. She said, if I didn't like dark skin people, I wouldn't be I with wouldn't my like. husband. Yeah. But this is where we go. Black men don't struggle with colorism as the way females do. I would like to see if this child was male, I would assume it's just my assumption her reaction would have been different because it's a little bit more acceptable or way more acceptable that black dark males are are attractive because i mean you like i go back to the statement tall dark and handsome tall dark and handsome well i think the uh the fashion industry has a big role in this not just fashion but fashion media uh what is considered beautiful is it, we're seeing it change before our very eyes by the way a mm-hmm. uh, curvier bigger woman bigger women are now considered beautiful i'm not saying they're not uh but we came a long way since the twiggy days if anyone that's i know it's a show in my age here um but just go back to the models on the runway in the 80s who had the heroin chic uh you know completely falling down i'm so skinny look and oh, yes. if you go back in history, we have Rubens, Rubenesque women who are very similar to what is considered beautiful, fashionably beautiful today. So it's, I always feel bad for women in general, the way the culture treats them based upon how they look or how they can make themselves look. And that's the power of advertisement oh, yeah. uh, working uh, in a negative way as it doesn't, as, as it does frequently, yes. but they put, they paint the picture but we see this, and, I, and I'm not going to go too far on this tangent, but we see this with men. Short men. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tall, dark, the, and handsome. Short don't the, count. Yeah, that's right. Right. The, uh, so nobody wants a short son. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> Poor Kevin uh, Hart, um, man. Kevin Hart got a real bum deal, didn't he? Yeah. He's short uh, and really black. Oh, gosh. Yeah, but it works for him. <laughs> of course it does. Of course. What, 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 what I'm saying is... He turned that he has a character that he plays called Chocolate Drop, which is weird. But yeah, I mean, so it, like I said, we don't struggle. Black men don't struggle with this as much as women do. Um, and these things, as Matthew knows, stated, as we've seen with the Prince family, they have real world implications where it has a real effect on 
particularly women's psyche. So Ivanya Van Zandt, uh, that's uh, she's on the OWN network and she, she was brought up by Oprah. She had this uh, talk about colorism. Let's hear colorism dark. Talk about as a coffee girl, what you've experienced personally in the world and from your lighter skinned sisters. I always felt some type of inferiority. I did. I didn't feel like I was good enough. I just didn't feel like I added up. And especially growing up in the South, you know, the boys would always like the light skinned girl with the good hair. And um, so I didn't feel like I had enough to get the cute guy. And uh, until I believed that I was just that dope, because I just know I am now, um, it, it just it festered in me for quite some time. And how did it come out? It came out in a lack of, I think, in a lack of self-esteem, probably more so than not. Just feeling inadequate, really feeling inadequate. So you can see how it plays on people's psyches. Yeah, there was, uh, a, there was she, a, an additional data point in there, which I've heard. Uh, I think I, I, the first time I heard it was Arsenio Hall who said, I like Oprah. Oprah has the good hair. Yeah, and that, that, that's what I was speaking about before. Not only is it skin color, it's hair texture. Mm-hmm. Where straight hair um, or wavy, wavy to straight hair. Uh, not, well, Anything not nappy is mm-hmm. considered what they call nappy, and that's uh, where you have the tightly curled hair mm-hmm. is considered uh, a bad hair. Uh, I didn't really dive into that because I'm not, I don't want that kind of smoke. Uh, I mean, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm not going there because that the hair thing is a whole no- that's the, that is the third rail of, of blackness black, that you don't, yeah, black men don't talk about. The hair thing anywhere where a black woman could hear it? Is that what I'm understanding from you, Mo? What I'm saying is you can't win. <laughs> no. <laughs> you can't. So I don't I don't pick fights I can't win. Gotcha. Uh, but <laughs> on the inverse, <laughs> on the inverse of the uh of the dark perceived problems, light skinned women have problems too. What's been your experience? I was always told you know you're the milkman's baby or you know you know you you can't be my friend you know because the guys are going to like you more than me and so you know I Mm. you can't be my friend so I felt like an outcast and I would get in fights literally with brown skin girls that I never even knew their names and my dad had to teach me how to fight because I got picked on so much. Even one time when I was in the ninth grade, I had a girl come up and cut my hair all the way up to here, a chunk out of my hair. Um, brown skin girl. I said, you think you're cute because you got long hair? How do you feel now? So I cut it all off and I rock with it short. It was curly. And then it's, so you think you're cute because you got curly hair? You know, so it was constantly fighting. So, you know, I found another light-skinned girl to be my friend, yeah. and that's who my friend was. Huh. You know, I, 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 uh, when I saw, I saw an article the other day, I didn't send it to you. This mm-hmm. happened to a, a black girl in Northern Virginia, your neck of the woods, just recently. Yes, I, I saw on the local news. Yeah. Uh, that was, she had uh, dreads. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that was a more of a bullying case. Okay. Uh, more than self-inflict what i mean by self-inflict inflicted by another black uh, black person okay gotcha but 
what I want to say here is you can see the pitting of these two people against yeah, each sure, other. Sure. It's it's a push and a pull. Um so you can't win. You can't you you know, because like it goes back to the to the uh house negro, field negro. The other looking on the other side, the grass is always greener. Well, of course. Is there in uh is there a, a a commonly accepted uh celebrity who has the quote perfect skin tone? As in like brown paper bag perfect? Who would I say has the the safest? No, no, the, <laughs> no, no, like the perfect, the most this oh, this this person is exactly the right amount, the right shade, the right tone. Is there anyone that both sides accept universally? Barack Obama. Oh, thank you. Beautiful. Okay, gotcha. Because he he wasn't seen as light skin, uh, but he wasn't seen as you know as dark skin. I huh. mean, he 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 was actually. And I think about it, he's probably is the color of a uh, a brown paper bag. <laughs> <laughs> Which I wonder if that's by, <laughs> knowing how calculating he is, I wonder if that's by plan. But that's fantastic. Uh, okay, well, you answered yeah, the question. If, I got if I it. had to think, uh, if I had to think, yeah, um, because because uh, I'm gonna be honest with you, is it's in in Hollywood the the lighter skin works for you? Oh, for be- hell yeah, because. Uh, well, it works for you up to a period. When you're younger, it works for you because you get all the the sex uh, symbol roles. Mm-hmm. But as you've seen, Halle Berry disappeared. Yeah, well, so did Wesley Snipes. Well, what I, what I mean is you can't play the... You don't really get those motherly roles right, anymore. Right, because she's too light-skinned. She's very light-skinned, so she's too light-skinned. She can't really... She's doesn't she's not passable. Is that what we say then in that case in an older role? What I'm saying is she doesn't have that. Well, when you want the motherly role, right. and I'm just going Hollywood casting hat on. Mm-hmm. You want the you know the mother role. You want the you know the darker skin. Uh, uh, look at any movie. The the black mother is typically it's dark be skin. darker than the child. Wow. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> so. In the previous clips, we heard a term called passing, mm-hmm. and you even mentioned that you heard this in in the, uh, in the trans community. Sure, sure. So passing is when you're probably at the one eighth to one sixteenth, maybe even one fourth. As I said before, Meghan Markle child uh, is probably gonna look pretty much white, mm-hmm. and if you didn't know his mother, he could pass. You know, uh, he could he could work his way into white society. Uh, so Oprah covered this on the pressures of passing, and uh, certainly the whole passing thing—that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother subject. The passing thing, but you know, the thing about passing for those who did pass, and Lita was saying this for in her family, once you pass. The decision to pass means you giving up your whole entire family. You know, that you you can never go back. Because you all understand that, right? Because if you're passing, you just can't have your black mother show up. <laughs> wow. How do, you just cannot explain four black women in your kitchen all of a sudden. <laughs> That's old Oprah, because I can tell she has a very... It must have been a long time ago, that clip. Yeah, that was an older show. And the case in point of passing is Miss Meghan Markle. 
Mm-hmm. If you didn't know, uh, and I, I covered this on a previous YouTube uh, video, but if you didn't know her background, you wouldn't know she was um, part part black. No, the the Brits still haven't figured it out. If they actually knew, they'd be up in arms, Mo. Oh uh, well, well, well. Now you're gonna. <laughs> I think that is proper gander. Uh, and, and it's pushed for the the for the thesis statement of this show. Once I get there, that she is one hair one. <laughs> All right, you took me here. Uh, one Harry is not a royal by blood, so they don't really give rats ass what he does. Right, we know he was uh, the stable boys uh, kid. Right, yeah, he's the redheaded stepchild. Yeah, hello, literally. Hello, it's obvious. Yeah, yeah. So I think they said, "What can we use him good for?" Well, they can use him. <laughs> <laughs> he he no he can't be on he can't be on the throne. What can we do with this mongrel? Oh, yes. We could exactly we could use him for propaganda because you know uh you uh nice. England is darkening mm-hmm. by the minute, so they're using him to push that agenda. And and if, if people want further detail, go go to um. Shameless plug. Go to mofax.mofax.com dot com or mofax YouTube. Yeah, you did a YouTube. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you did a YouTube video on that. Sure. Yeah. So, and to show that they played her black side up, that's why her father wasn't allowed to be at, <laughs> at the, the wedding. wedding. Oh, we can't. Have, that's like Oprah saying you can't have your your really black mother show up. Yeah, you can't, gotcha. can't have can't, the white guy gotcha. walking the black princess down the aisle. Mm, that's my. bad for optics. Yeah. So, I think she and and you know what? I watched the show Suits that she was on. I was like, she was she she's racially ambiguous. Mm. I was like, is she Latina? Is she you know? I couldn't really put my finger on it. I knew she wasn't completely white, but I couldn't you know. But then I was like, oh okay. When, uh, but in the show, they they pushed the agenda. Her father was black in the show. So got it. Got it. But I didn't know it what she had going on with her. Uh, so Oprah continues on uh, passing with uh, Oprah too. Well, you know, I experienced this early when I, you know, I was shifted from one parent to the other, and uh, I came to live in Milwaukee with my mother, who was uh, rooming with a lady, and uh, my mother has a, has another uh, daughter, so I have a half sister who was light skinned and younger than I, and they were allowed to stay inside the house, and I was forced to sleep outside in the hallway because i was the brown-skinned person and you know and my you know my mother did it just because otherwise we'd have no place to sleep but the place was uh owned by a white uh uh, not white but uh, i thought she was white miss miller who also passed and just didn't want the brown-skinned child in her house it's just really racism passed on to ourselves that's what it really is no in a very strong way very nice oprah said it right there and, and she laid it out perfectly. And Miss Miller had to, if you're going to play the role, you, you're saying you got to play it all the way. Yeah, you can't have the black, can't have the black kids sleeping in the house. Uh, if you're going to pass for the white woman, so I have this interesting book. Uh, it's called Our Kind of People. It's written by Lawrence Otis Graham, and in one of the chapters in it, um. Uh, it's called uh, Passing for White When the Brown Paper Bag Test Isn't Enough. So this book is about basically uh, the black elite in America 
Uh, it says inside America's black upper class. And he gives you 17 ways to pass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are we going to do the list? <laughs> yeah. I, we're going to do it. Do you, I, I'll start off with five. And you tell me if you want me to keep going. All right. I'm, I, I love these tests. So, yeah, let's go. Okay. All right. Number one, passing will be, and we got to understand this is talking about uh, an older, uh, older times. But passing will be easier if you attempt it while away at college, preferably on a campus with which um, that is predominantly white and is located in a small rural town. So that's number one. And for okay. the people out there who want to pass, all right, you want to go to a, a, univer- a white university yeah, in a small yeah. town. All right, all right, right. Were you taking notes? Yeah, of course <laughs> I'm taking. I got it in an outline. Are you kidding me? Okay, yeah, I'm good to all go. right. Number two. <laughs> Change your last name to one that is not associated with black family names. Well, I got uh, a, I got a problem there. Do you know? Yeah. Do you know that when I when I I don't use it anymore? But when I first started using Uber, I didn't mm-hmm. have a profile picture in Austin, Texas, and uh, I, my the, my uh, my cars would get canceled regularly, not all the time, but regularly. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Why did it cancel? And then I put my picture in. Never had it happen again because Curry is a black name and like steph curry yes that's my brother <laughs> from right. another mother so na- names not to use <laughs> curry uh, jones, not a name <laughs> yeah curry yeah. jones jackson johnson william thomas and brown all right uh, okay number three recreate your family tree by describing yourself as an only child uh, born to a uh, born a parent <laughs> who died years ago oh god and who were all who were all who were also only children Mm, okay all right number four relocate to a new community that insulates you from interacting with blacks and that is at least a few hundred miles away from your family's home and Mm. number five i'm gonna stop at five uh number five is think uh think uh some of yeah think of some manner in which to kill off kill yourself kill yourself off in the minds of black people who know and who know you and your family if your parents or siblings are willing to participate in assisting you, they can say that you are now living outside the country, that you have entered a cult or a religious order, or even that you have died. Well, this so is that's top- this, this is this is very sad advice. Obviously, this is sad. So, so if that's for the people out there who would like to pass, and if you want to find the other twelve, uh, go read "Our Kind of People" by Lawrence Otis Graham. But I do have some background, background a clip just to give you uh, a mental perspective of Mr. Otis, Mr. Lawrence Otis Graham, as he has the talk, but the talk goes wrong. It in certain ways by making sure that we're wearing clothes that are not ones that suggest that we are part of the criminal element, as, as people would say. It's no hoodies. It's no dark clothes. My boys know that they've got to be khaki pants. We don't do sweatshirts with words and names on them. This is really casual for them. They don't do the t-shirt thing. And when it comes to jackets, raincoats, it's, this is the only time you're going to see a hood in our house is on a raincoat um, or a winter jacket. It's no colored high tops. It's it's, it's loafers, it's white tennis sneakers. It's not carrying anything in your hand 
um, after sundown that could be misconstrued as a weapon. It's also making sure that when they go to stores, they get receipts, that they walk in, they make eye contact and nod and smile to the shop owner. They make sure that their, their bags are zipped and left in the car or outside the store. It's also making sure that they never run when in the presence of a police officer unless it's very apparent that they are dressed for jogging. Um, they don't go out after sundown. My younger son said, you're taking the fun out of being a black kid, but it just knows it's necessary. And once again, it's not because we're trying to make them white. It's just the whole issue of we don't want them to be profiled. Hmm. So that's a, ment- a peek inside the mental uh, state of Mr. Lawrence Otis uh, Graham. Wow. And he is, bo- he is boule of all boule. He wrote the book on basically uh, of, of, uh, of, of basically well, it's inside America's black upper, upper class, I think is the book you're referring to. Yes, yes. Yes. And there's chapters in there, such as just a list of the chapters and just to go down, just, uh, the origins of the black upper class, Jack and Jill, that's, which is, um, where the elite black kids are separated from the rest. And you got chapter three, black child experience. The right coalition camps and private schools. Sounds like a fun va- vacation read. Uh, chapter four is interesting. Howard Spellman Morehouse. Three colleges that count. Hmm. Okay, we we heard about Howard. Howard. Yeah. Spellman. Okay, do you know who Spellman? It's a little trivia. Do you know who Spellman was named after? I do not. Rockefeller's wife. That was her. <laughs> uh, oh, of course. <laughs> And Morehouse was named after a white man as well. And these are supposed to be black uh, universities. Yeah, black universities, sure. But what we do is, I'm, I'm saying this to say, yes, they are proud found uh, institutes of, of, of higher learning. But we also have to look and see, you know. Um, where, yeah, where did it come where from? Where the money What's came from? In chapter sure. five, the right fraternities and sororities. So previous knowledge of what we covered in the show, you see where this book is headed. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So. Mr. Lawrence said in his clip, they're not trying to make their children white. Uh, but now I know you everybody's asking, well, where is Mo going with this? He started off with mixed. Where I mean, now he's went down colorism and you know the black elite and all this. Okay. Just to let you know, at one time the black elite said, Okay, we we're we're one dropped in. So we got to make the best of it. So what we'll do is you know, create our own class, our own subculture of based off of color or, or, or as they stated in um, Matthew Noah's clip, if you are extremely wealthy, you could buy your way into the club. But when they sent their kids off to these Ivy League schools, once integration happened, the kids start to go to Ivy League schools. They start to meet people and dating interracially became more acceptable. Um, the boule made a pivot, and this is by Mr. Lawrence, um, Mr. Otis, Lawrence Otis Graham. Talking about you've had a whole change of heart. What in the world has happened? Well, one thing that happened, Roland, is I started to realize that a lot of people make these personal decisions that we should not always hold them to accountable to making political decisions. When someone decides, for a long time, I was opposed to the whole notion of black folks even dating outside or marrying outside of the black race because I said, if you want to demonstrate your pride in our people, you have to give something back to the community. The problem with that is it 
that's not too far from really making the same argument that whites were making in the 1940s that were called bigots. So the problem here, and, and certainly Pamela knows with coming from mixed parentage, that when someone makes takes the leap of faith to say, well, I'm going to marry outside my race, but yet at the same time, it's possible for me to hold on to my own identity. I can give back to my black people, to the black community. I made the decision to marry a black woman because at that time, I never even considered dating a white woman for political reasons. Whoa. Does that sound familiar? Barack Obama. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So people marry black for political reasons. I mean, that's not anything new to most of our listeners, but that is a con- I left that in there as it's a conscious decision. But you can hear him say uh, at one time, he said that uh, black, he believed black people should marry black people. And as a side note, I will say this. I believe that. I believe, for one, you can marry who you want to because I don't care. I mean, that, that's what I don't care what people do in their love lives or their or their uh, sexual lives. That's not none, none of my business. But if you understand. And this is where this clip is going and this whole uh, show is going. We're only 13 percent of the population. If we don't make a conscious effort uh, to maintain our race, I think it won't exist anymore. Well, that's a real concern of mine. And this is this is where I thought you were probably taking this. And I, I think mm-hmm. what's going to turn out to be right is what is happening, intentional or not. But I think you're showing us it is there, there is intent is to effectively remove the black race. And here's the thing. I think that they're going to remove all. I think they're trying to remove all. Races. Yes. Black and white. I totally agree. Let everybody be right. brown. Yeah, sure. But as I've stated on this show many a times before, all problems, the problems that hit everybody <laughs> hit us first and hit us hardest. But you know, what's crazy, Mo? Yes. So you just said something which doesn't shock me because I I know you as Mo and I and I have the same I think we have very similar values. You say I think that black people should marry black people. Mm-hmm. If I said I think white people should marry white people, the fucking sirens would be going off outside the house. Not with me. No, but we- <laughs> it's for the it's for the it's for the reasoning. Yes. Now let me explain to you why. I'm a vain person. I like my genetics. I want to pass those genetics down to to my grandkids. Which is totally very no, self- it's your prerogative. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's- right. It's not out of all, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're you know, you're, well, you're, and, and look at whatever the- you diluted my stock or you know what I'm saying? No, no, no. Like, but it's the, it's the same as royal families all around Europe. They they marry other royals, you know, to this was the problem with Lady Diana. She was a, a commoner. You know, she mm-hmm. was she wasn't a blue blood like uh, Horseface uh, Camilla. Sorry, I know that was rude. But I can't help <laughs> myself. Um, you know, this is not an uncommon thing for fam. India has this, of course. Uh, uh, Pakistan very uh, oriented towards um, continuing a bloodline or having you know the right families congregate together. So it's actually it's not an abnormal thing at all. I, and like I said, do I want my kids to procreate with intelligent people? Yes. Do I want my kids to, you know, uh, preferably uh, 
Let's just be vain here. Taller people, yes. Okay, but th- one, uh, one other thing, just what I'm talking about, because I love the parallels. I'm just giving <laughs> you my perspective. In, uh-huh. in the United States, for sure, if you say, oh, I'm, I'm a white man or I'm a straight man or what a, I don't date trans women, you're automatically a transphobe. I think I caught something here, didn't I? Yes. All right, I'll back up. Continue. Okay. Okay. So now we're moving forward and we see that the boule made a pivot to be accepting because the boule uh, basically outlined where black people are headed. Um, and they were, you know, pro, pro blacks dating within the race. And as you can see in their, in their, uh, in their inner community, dating, dating lighter, marrying lighter, you know, to make your race become lighter. Um, so we have uh, professor Kevin Brown. And he speaks on the impact of uh, mixed race. And we're seeing substantial increases, too, in black multiracials. That is, blacks with a non-black parent, black-white parentage, black-Asian parentage. Um, those percentages are set to increase by 80% between 2010 and 2020. We're now seeing substantial interracial marriage among the black slash african-american population in the united states so you can see here in 1970 of all blacks who were married only 1.1 percent were married outside of the race that increases to 2.4 percent in 1980 4.1 percent in 1990 7 percent in 2000 uh, in 2010 it increases to nine percent but, but let me add, this is of all blacks who are married. Um, so younger people, the ones in the prime childbearing ages, are even much more likely to marry across the race. Uh, in 2012, for example, one in four black males that married, 25%, married outside of the race. Uh, for black women, it was about 9.3%. And, and we continue to see that black males are two to three times more likely to marry outside of the race. If these current conti- trends continue, within a generation or two, a majority of the black population in the United States will actually be mixed race. And because they're mixed race, they will more and more assert an identity that's different from that of African Americans. So, with his math, we're basically doubling interracial, uh, the interracial population or interracial marriage, like basically ha- double every decade. Yep. Roughly, or what he said. Yeah, it won't take very long, is what he's saying. Yeah. And that's scary from my perspective. Uh huh. Uh, on my desk, I have pictures of my grandparents. Uh, I'm a very proud of my lineage uh, that we survived. And I, it's a real possibility that my culture, it's not about skin color. And I, that's why I laid it all out about colorism. It's not about skin color. It's about culture. It's going to be erased. And that's why I have a real problem with this show of a sub-segment of our uh, culture is pulling away. 
Uh, well, and when when you say, when you say culture, what I mean, what exactly do you mean by that in this context? So, uh, first of all, black is not a race. <laughs> I mean, because it's not. Uh, ADOS is what I'm talking about. My culture, mm-hmm. the black American experience, all that encompasses. Encompasses. I feel like they're trying to go away from that. And I don't want, I don't want that. Ha- I'm being serious as a heart attack right now. I don't want to see that happen. Uh, we've seen this with native Americans. Uh, and I, it's a real, it's a real fear of mine. I look at native Americans and they're like, you basically, it happened to them. But okay. So do you, f- um, the question is, mm-hmm. Because this is coming from inside uh, black families themselves. Now, of course, there's tons of influence from the outside making this happen. But it's something that's historically, as we can see, because of external factors, is happening internally. You know, so the yes. gra- the grandmother and, and says, the you know, "Don't it's don't marry." Like a, Go ahead. It's it's a family thing. Yeah, you might fight with your sister or your brother, right? Mm-hmm. But if somebody mess with them, you the Currys. Right. Yes, of course. That's what I'm saying. I got you. I got you. No, I. I That's and what I, I, I understand that. <laughs> I just want to delve into it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, you. You made me illustrate. It. I want to illustrate straight that clearly. Yes, we may fight within ourselves, but before, if anybody messed with us, we were all together. Uh, no matter your shade, no matter you know, no matter what. Right. Well, it seems like they're trying to, they found a good way to divide us. And they're plucking at every string. And they and is they, is the boule, i.e. the black elite. Yes. Okay. Let's just make and sure. That's why, I said they, they that's why I said they did a pivot. Yeah. They were all for uh, blacks marrying. And you heard the man say it, yep. say it himself. He was for blacks marrying blacks. That's the best thing you could do for a community. But then he, they do a pivot. And say, you know what? That remember that passing thing? Yeah. What happens here is the passing bar has been lowered. Yes. That's why I want to illustrate. And now it's not whiteness. The bar now is not whiteness anymore. It's non-blackness. If we can skirt into non-blackness, then we pass. And from my perspective, Mo, I am literally the most hated type of person in the united states right now mm-hmm. which is an old uh, straight white male i too am being told move over a little more to <laughs> get a little browner son that's you've been nudged yeah, we're both I, being I, nudged I'm being we're, nudged absolutely we're both being nudged uh let's get into uh professor kevin brown too with respect to black multiracials uh, the research on the racial identity of multiracials tends to show that black multiracials have a very different racial identity from African Americans. Uh, they generally tend to fall into one of three kinds. One, they either assert that they're multiracial. Second, that they'll assert that they're black. Uh, or third is that they will assert that they're just simply beyond race. They're non-racial. They don't think about race. They don't consider race. Um, indeed, a few will even take the white ancestry or Asian ancestry. Um, 
and and also within the United States, the black family has fragmented since the 1960s. Uh, we're at a point now where almost 70 percent of our children are raised in single parent homes. So when you put together that black males are more likely to uh, have interracial relationships with white females and with the black the breakdown of the black home it means many black multiracials are actually being raised by single white females and they therefore are having a very different racial uh, identity than the traditional African American uh, so all of this seems to suggest that we are really watching some fundamental shifts in the traditional struggle uh, of the African American uh, in the United States and in, and in some real way uh, we are watching substantial interracial marriages um, and the trend of those continues to accelerate as the younger people get older and older if, if I may and if this is not an appropriate spot to do it let mm-hmm. me know in this whole deconstruction which you're laying out before us quite expertly does and if so where does michael jackson fit into this topic michael jackson he was born a dark-skinned man darker than a brown paper bag let's use the brown paper bag as the darker light divide but the pressures of fitting in to that it's kind of like, I think Michael Jackson suffered from something. But now, did, b- b- barring, barring the, the vi- skin, vid- uh, the, what was vid- it called? Uh, vitiligo. Vitiligo, barring that. Which is, you which is, it's a, I've, I know black men with vitiligo, and it's, it, yes. they, they peel off and it's white. You know, I know, I know white people with vitiligo, and it's the same thing. Barring that, you can't still ignore the facial uh, oh, changes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that was a form of like kind of like how uh, what it called anorexia and bulimia. Yeah, it's an when you look when you look in the mirror, mm-hmm. he he had an idea of, and that idea was based off of a uh, white beauty. Yeah, and he was trying to get there. That was, that's what I honestly believe about Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah, it was the nose. I think is really what. Bought, I mean, I I worked with him a couple times, right? Uh, and you know. I, I can't speak on behalf of all white people, but I know we're like, man, you liked your nose. <laughs> you had a nice nose. What are you trying to do here? You're ruining it. And now, now that you brought that up, and I don't want to harp on this too long, even the way we're accepting of his quote unquote children. Right. Bro. Yeah. Bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> are we not so accepting of of his children? Black people are. Yeah. But bro, them, them ain't. In my humble opinion, I don't think those are genetically Michael Jackson's children. Oh, that's possible. It wouldn't surprise me. When I look at his genetics of him as a child, I don't see that happening. Mm. But we're accepting. That just, just to illustrate how accepting we are. Nobody's ever questioned it. Nobody has ever publicly questioned it. That's right. I, I, yeah, I have never heard anyone question it, actually. Except for here on the... Uh, <laughs> on MoFax, of course. Of course, this is where we break down all those holy walls. Right. Uh, so, one last, it's a shorty, but let's get uh, Kevin Brown 3. 
Well, the the impact I think the impact I think we're already seeing it. So there, there's less talk about race in the United States, um, bec- and more talk about. New, race neutrality individualism because I mean, of course as your black multiracials grow up they're less and less invested in it mm-hmm. yeah that's what you're talking about this how you you lose it well there's that that thing cuts both ways either they go well i'm not black anymore i'm multiracial you know that kind of thing or they go hyper black now we're going to go back a ah. couple shows to Mr. <laughs> Sean King. This degree of even like light skin privilege and accessibility, yeah. like because I look how I look, that makes me more relatable to white people in white spaces. Mm-hmm. So what I have to do if I have some level of relatability that I didn't choose, I was born with it. Mm-hmm. I have to use it. I have to squeeze it. I have to maximize it. And so that's what you see with like mega woke light skin people you know like um, <laughs> y'all go hard man <laughs> yeah well, I, I said that well then then the flip of that is and I mean I, I had Colin Kaepernick and I have talked about this at great length because we grew up in the families we grew up in we also grew up in close intimate proximity to white people and white problems and so we saw it and we understand it in a way and so we're trying our best to to use it so, as Mr. Kevin Brown says, one way you can go is you say, go away from blackness. But you have a lot of biracial people that turn into the blackness uh, very heavily. As he said, the super mega woke, that's his word, super mega woke. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, here's my theory on that. I think they tried to play that game of well, I'm not really black, but they get into those spaces and then they're treated as they're black because the people that they're dealing with still operate off the one drop rule. Right. And what you get is this, you get your Colin Kaepernick's, you get your Angela Rise, you know what I'm saying? You get your Sean King's where... Not necessarily all ADOS, by the way. Right, but I tried to go racially ambiguous mm-hmm. biracial but it didn't work and they get offended and then that's why they say we need safe spaces we need bro uh, we've been we've been lived this yes 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 yep <laughs> we, we, we I, i'm not when i walk into this situation that's why i said and that and, that, and here's where the um the trans thing is a great analogy i have no closet that i can live in uh when you're trans and you're really good at it. You do have a. People don't really know. And they won't question you about it. You know. But. We have much. much more figure it out. You have more control over your appearance. In that situation. Right, right. Versus you, skin you have, color. But. Yeah. But when you're out it. <laughs> yeah. Or when you're out it as. As. As uh, Mr. Kevin Brown says. You're raised by a white parent. You can pretty much pass. But then when you're out it, how does your peers accept you? Right. Do they look at you differently? Because you were saying you wanted to be accepted as not. And I don't think these, uh, I don't think they want to be accepted as white. I think they want to get what they say, past race. And we heard that conversation 
we're post racial we're in a post racial society. society. Yes. Okay. Right. And, right. and that's what with 2008 they were pushing hard. But you notice by 2012, 2016, the other shoe dropped. Yeah. Huh. You're like, nah, uh-uh. Yeah, where, where, how does that happen? I don't know. I don't, I, I, I can't, I can't speak to that perspective because I've never had that luxury of being racially ambiguous. Uh, but all right, so now we're here. Hold on, Mo. Listen to your yes. words. You said you haven't had the luxury of being mm-hmm. racially ambiguous. You consider that a luxury? I do. I, I, I look at, um, a reason why I say that is in the same way as a trans person would be accepted as whatever gender they want it to be. Got it. Not as they, you're saying, not as it, either way, what I'm saying is not being recognized by my race first. Got it. Got not it, got not it, that got I don't want to be my race. I, I want to clear that up. Right. It's the fact that when you walk into a room, as this whole show you've seen, Certain either way, either way it falls. Certain um, assumptions are going to be made about you. Oh, of course, of course. So I've never had that even enter my uh, community. Got it. Uh, because I'm of a darker hue. So I, you know, uh, when you're like in the middle, you, you know, you you. Like, like you asked a great question what Barack Obama he falls in the middle so he never had to I don't think he ever had the light skin or the dark skin thing happen to him but as we discussed as we discussed before and it fit perfectly in this episode as well he had huge credibility with Michelle yes but I'm not even talking about on the biracial thing I'm talking about just on color alone right his complexion right 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 was perfect it's perfect so it's like he never was perceived as a light skin per- a light skin black or dark I never that's a weird you you've made me think today. I've never heard him referred to as either. Right. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Well he's I think he he was he's like he came out of central casting. It, the perfect he's like color. team honey roasted. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is that a hashtag I should be aware of? I don't, I don't know when you started. <laughs> so yeah. Um so people may ask, what is the origin of all this? And you've hinted at it and as you do in your future. And we're going to get something to fix that because <laughs> you got it right. <laughs> you know exactly where I'm headed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is this is one of my favorites. I, I love it's, this. It's a plan, mm-hmm. I believe, to destroy races of people. And if you're talking about what's going on in Europe? I think it is. I think it's not only Europe. I think that's just one of the plans, one of the uh, tentacles of the plan. But I think uh, there's a thing called the Calergi plan. Yes, sir. Uh, Very we, familiar. I have a clip on it before, but before we play the clip, I would like to get your perspective on 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 this. The Calergi plan. Well, we've um, we've discussed this quite a bit on the No Agenda show in the. Um, in relation to immigration issues happening in Europe. Now, I lived in the Netherlands, I lived in Belgium, I lived in uh, the United Kingdom, and there was a, um, uh, I think he was, 
uh, Austrian. He was mixed. He was he was of Asian descent. I know one of his parts of Asian. Yeah, Austrian Japanese. uh, Yeah, I think that's it exactly. Yes, Yes. Count of Kudenhova Kalergi, and Mm -hmm. and his entire push was uh, to create. Well, his first book was Pan Europa, which is you know early nineteen twenty five or something. I know before the. uh, b- before the Depre- the Great Depression, um, but he uh, foresaw a future where Europe became brown. Just everyone, everyone integrated, and we had one big uh, mass of people, kind of the same color, all over mm-hmm. Europe. And this is taken so seriously that uh, there is still a prize given. I think every year, maybe every two years, uh, to people in Europe. Uh, and I don't know. It's I don't know if it's called the Kalergi Award, but it's for this type of integration. And I know Angela Merkel, who really uh, helped Germany open up their borders to not really good results by the Germans' own admission. Uh, what mm-hmm. has happened all over Europe, and she was the, the uh, one of the most recent recipients of the Kalergi Award. Um, and I've looked at this, and whenever you hear, um, well, for instance. I first came in touch with it in a horrible way. Uh, Anders Breivik, he's the guy who uh, killed 80 kids on the island in, I want to say, Norway or Denmark. Can't remember off the top of my head. I, I remember that case. I remember that case. And he wrote, they called it a manifesto, but it wasn't. It was a compendium. And it was a very mm-hmm. large document and a whole bunch of stuff jammed together. And one of the problems he had uh, was this Kalergi plan he said, I don't want uh, my heritage, my race, to be diluted the way the, uh, the European project has planned it. Uh, and that was at least some of the impetus for the actions he took. Later referenced by the um, Christchurch shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also referenced that. So this is something that it's. I don't think many people in the United States know about it, but in Europe, uh, it is definitely something being discussed. As there's huge immigration issues and uh, and opinions all over Europe. So that I think is a, a short version of what the Kalergi plan is. So before I, let's play the clip and I'll discuss it post the clip. So this is a uh, excerpt from uh, Kalergi's book, uh, Practical Idealism. In 1925, Richard published another book entitled Practitioner Idealismus, or Practical Idealism. An excerpt from Practical Idealism. Quote, The man of the future will be of mixed race. The races and classes of today will gradually disappear due to the elimination of space, time, and prejudice. The Eurasian Negroid is the race of the future. Similar in appearance to the ancient Egyptians, they will replace the diversities of the people and the diversity of the individuals. Instead of destroying European Judaism, Europe, against her will, refined and educated, this people will be driving them to their future status as a leading nation through this artificial evolutionary process. Insofar as Europe is Christian, it is in a spiritual sense Jewish. Insofar Europe is moral, it is Jewish. Almost all European ethics are rooted in Jewry. All protagonists for religious or non-religious Christian morality, from Augustine to Rousseau to Kant to Tolstoy, were Jews, of choice in a spiritual sense. Nietzsche is the only non-Jew, the only European heathen moralist. 
In the East, the Chinese people are ethnically par excellence. In the West, it is the Jews. Strength of character, paired with the sharpness of mind, predestines the Jews and their most excellent specimen to become the leaders of urbane humanity. From the false to the genuine spiritual aristocrats to the protagonist of capitalism, as well as of the revolution. Now we stand at the threshold of the third epoch of the new times, socialism. Also, socialism is supported by the urban class of industrial workers, led by the aristocracy of revolutionary writers. This development, and with it, the chaos of modern politics, will only then find its end, when a spiritual aristocracy seizes the means of power of society. Richard Kalergi, 1925. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I almost had, I, I had the wrong book, but the right year. <laughs> yeah. So how do I get to this point? It's, and this is one of the things I was a listener of your show. But when you brought this up, you hooked me <laughs> because I knew about this prior to hearing it on your show. The reason why I found this out is. I watch commercials more than I watch television, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I turn commercials up when they come on. <laughs> because like television, I'm not really into television. If I watch television, it's more of I watch Netflix, what show I want to watch, and then get on with my life. But as I'm watching ma- majorly sports, so that thing, that's because sports is one of my things. I started noticing maybe, eh, I want to say four or five years ago, the push of racially mixed couples on television now i preface everything i'm about to say is you can date you can love who you want to doesn't matter to me i don't care my problem is social engineering when i watch these commercials i'm like okay that's one two three and then i was like ask my wife did you notice that she's like what are you talking about this this is this is my wife Cause I noticed everything. She's like, "Oh, you're looking too far to that." You know, I, I, most of the stuff I talked to her about. She's like, <laughs> "This show is going to ruin everything for you, Mo. It's going to ruin your relationship." No, this is me. This is no. It's going to save my relationship. Cause this is me talking to her. Yeah. This show, and you're just replacing her pretty, pretty much. <laughs> so you're a godsend to her. Cause you, <laughs> right. Oh, I'm like, did you, did you, I said, did you see that? Did you see what? What are you talking about? You know, she said, you be hanging out with that white boy too much. That's what's going on with you, Mo. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> I had these, 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 this was pre no agenda for me. Oh, okay. So I'm like watching the show. I'm like another mixed couple. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, what is going on here? Because most of the time it's when you're selling something, it's like, you know, it was a couple. It's the of same. I'm from that era. It's usually the same. Uh, race mm-hmm. but everything became mixed race and I'm like what are they pushing here I mean this my brain would go off I mean I'm one of the guys that just just for a rec- matter of record I'm one of the guys that listen to the side effects on uh, pharmaceutical uh, commercials uh, that's another thing I point out like did you hear that sure that's not how long that is and what she came back to me was like I stopped saying it and then she started noticing she's like you're right and if she says that, I had to be right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, just uh, so what? What, did, what was your feeling? Although this, um, you probably weren't married then. About the Cosby family, because there, there was very. Sl- they're all brown, um, but some of the. I mean, obviously it's casting, and we know. 
But was there ever any thought about that? Oh, well, you know, um, uh, it was racial. It was colorly balanced. If that's the word, colorly balanced. balanced. Okay, gotcha. The the reason why I say that is the two oldest children were were a fair skin. And then you have uh, Vanessa, which is the third daughter. She's of dark. Now, Theo, he's the boy, oldest boy. Yeah, Theo's dark. Yeah, the next two children are dark skin. And then the tie goes to the dark skin because Rudy was uh, darker than the brown paper bag. So it was balanced. Um, It was balanced. It was balanced. It was balanced. It was very balanced. Uh, So, yeah. But but that was that was cautious. They were consciously aware of that because even his wife is lighter than him. Yes. Well, was that? Mama first or Mama second? Because they switched. You know, they pulled that. Fast. Oh, you're talking. You're talking about Fresh Prince. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You're right. That was Fresh Prince which who that, changed. No, that you're right. Bunt- oh, that must have been crazy. That caused a bunt. And even to today, <laughs> people are like I don't. I, Aunt Viv, there's only one Aunt Viv. Exactly. <laughs> so it can't be. I'm no glad that. you brought that up. See, yeah. I mean, not, yeah. So even that, it, it was like what? What? So now. But that was that was weird. So, but yeah, just going back that that's what started me on this quest of what is going on. What are they telling me? As a, what are, what are they pushing to me? As as a fun fact, just to show you the seriousness, because you know when we're saying like, name like Kalergi and you know nineteen twenty three, people are like mm, okay, whatever. But in nineteen fifty five, he proposed Beethoven's Ode to Joy as the music for the European anthem. And uh, this is before the European Union was official. This happened, you know, European Union is the last 18 years, and now it's an official union of 28 member states. The national anthem of Europe is Beethoven's Ode to Joy. So the guy was taken very seriously, and his fingerprints are all over everything in the European Union project. And I would like to... Uh, juxtapose him to Mr. Alan Leroy Locke, the father of the Harlem Renaissance, and how he his thought process is like the gospel now in the LG, black LGBT community uh, on the previous show. These guys, when they were writing their books and pushing their agendas early, they were just too early for people to really catch on. But you know, it laid the ground. It laid the groundwork for you know, for the things that are being done today. But I say all that to say. I don't want to be a race. I say that with all seriousness, but I think it is a real, real possibility. Well, it certainly seems like it's the push. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure what the benefit is to the boule, the elites, or even the Illuminati. Um, other than more control, I don't know. Uh, maybe if we're all brown, then. Uh, well, it's not about color. Let's get that straight. It's about removing culture. And here's the end game and in, in how I see it. You remove culture. Once you remove their culture, because here's the, here's the problem. And I'm not a mixed person, but I've known a lot of mixed people and I've had conversation with them. And as we see, even with, even with black people, it's hard to fit in when you're different. And be so, totally accepted. I'm so I'm sure, and I would love to hear from people to write in understand on this. But I'm sure it's hard for them to fit in anywhere. Uh, so when you remove them from their, you know, remove culture from all of society, you can implant uh, the culture of corporatism. You're absolutely right, and I, <laughs> I'm well. I'm a little bit older than you, so I'm 55. But 
I've come to realize that it is exactly the differences, or some may call them imperfections, not just in skin color, but background, culture, history, all of that, that makes it beautiful. Yes, that's my whole point. I don't want what what we provide to this human experience. I don't want that to be taken away. Right on. And, and neither that's do my, I. That's my whole point. Yeah. From all me and sides. you have me and you having this conversation is 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 it works because we come from two different perspectives and we can find commonalities in it, but then we also also can share the differences. Exactly. And uh, in the future, this kind of show may not exist if we let them have their way with us. Because there'll be no yes. differences to talk about. We'll all just be the same drones. And that's, the, that's, what, that's my fear. Well, Mo, I'll help you fight <laughs> against that because I don't like it either. <laughs> that's my fear, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but standing next to you, I can say that, you see. It's very, very dangerous uh, for white men to say these kinds of things these days. And that's well, just, 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 it's, just as, it's just as dangerous for me to say it. I, I will say I that agree. because we're expected. And, and here's, and I know we got to wrap, but it's an expectation for you not to be expecting from society. It's even more pressure for me to be accepting because they're like, oh, it's the same thing as being this or the same thing as being black or this is the same thing as being black. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it's like everything we have we we have to be accepting of everything. So that's why I said we're coming from the same parallel on two different, you know what I'm saying, uh on, on you know from two different directions. Well ultimately we're just two American dudes chatting it up a bit and coming with yeah. all our differences, and that's what I love so much about it. And and I and you know, for someone who didn't graduate college, I love learning on a Monday. <laughs> I really do. I really do. All right, this will this will have to wrap it up. Uh, we've gone a little long, but man, well worth it. And I love, I just love what you put together for us today, Mo. It's fantastic. I'm glad you appreciate it. And as I always say, pay attention to everything, and the truth will reveal itself. And we look forward to your feedback. If you would like to support the show, go to mofax.com. Donations are, of course, welcome. It's a value for value system. No ads. No corporate money. Just whatever you thought the show was a value to you. We'll see you next week, everybody. Take care. We people who are darker than blue. Are we gonna stand around this town and let what others say come true? We're just good for nothing. They all figure a boyish grown-up shiftless chicken. Now we can't hardly stand for that Or is that really where it's set For the sister and mother It's even better yet But there's the joker in the street Loving one brother and killing the other When the time comes and we are really free There'll be no brothers left You see, we people who are darker than blue Don't let us hang around this town And let whatever say come true We're just good for nothing, they all figure A boyish grown-up shipless jigger Now we can't hardly stand for that 
Oh, yeah. 